What's up, y'all? Welcome to Say That to Say This. My name is Jason Watson. And my name is Thizzle, a.k.a. Travis Tyler. You can call me Josh, a.k.a. Wilson. <laughs> That's good. We just, hey, hey, it's all good, man. We're just a bunch of crazy guys that get the opportunity to sit together and talk about difficult topics. Um, one of the reasons that we started this podcast is because we wanted to create the opportunity to, to delve into conversations that normally are not had. We get mm. to shoot the elephant in the room. And we get to make sure to make each other uncomfortable and other people uncomfortable. It takes a lot to make me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Really? But not a lot to make you laugh. No. (laughs) I laugh easy. Well, if you were with us for our last segment, we talked a little bit about value. Um, I'm not sure um, how much you guys have kind of sat with that topic, but I feel like it was something that really is impactful when you start to think about the ways in which we interact, especially culturally. Um, so just recognizing my own value also continues to play a role in how I interact with others. Yeah, absolutely. I think the I think what we talked about uh, last week was impactful. Um, talk a little bit, Jay. Some of that's coming out of, of what we talked about last week. But why name the podcast this? It's something that, you know, we 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 get to hear this dude talk all the time. He uh, uh, he's got that he's got that statement that he always uses. Anytime you get in some beef, anytime it gets heated, anytime you want to go toe to toe with uh, Jason Watson, he always at some point in the argument says, "I say that to say this." So where does that come from? Why are we using it as the title of this podcast? Well, you know, man, it comes from a few different places. I'm a rapper, so we use punchlines and analogies. So I'm always saying something to say something else. But I think ultimately it's really about trying to delve deeper into whatever the particular topic is, right? Mm. So how do I take us into a deeper dive? How do we create opportunities for people to understand what's being communicated? Basically, so that's kind of where the heartbeat comes from. Basically, he's saying something to sound cool that he already was saying once. Facts. <laughs> he's saying it two Facts. times so it don't seem like the same thing. Facts. He's trying to set the table without with, with, with expecting us to be able to not fact check it so that you can say that. Jordan's better than LeBron. Oh, that's a that's that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to say nothing to say that. That's already easy. So what would that be based off? Jordan being the greatest? Yes. What I said, which is making me say this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's why we're here. <laughs> but it's not based on facts. <laughs> it's not based on facts. But no. this podcast will be. I mean, I think yes. that's one of the reasons that that uh, that statement's so powerful. Uh, because I think in order to have a conversation that is as um, Difficult oftentimes. I mean, what we're going to be talking about is things that people don't normally talk about. So there is a piece of this conversation that takes setting the table to, 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 to communicate truths, to communicate norms and setting that table to be able to say like, hey, let's all get on the same page so we can actually attack the issue that's at hand. What does it look like for black, white from uh, uh, different backgrounds, different cultures to be able to set the table where everybody has a voice. And then at the end of the day, we can go like, hey, with all those voices, with all of those um, truths of parents and there and us being able to communicate to that point, what does it actually look like for us to handle the topic at hand, to, to be able to have a dialogue where we all get to the same place and then we have some brutal honesty. Well, the reality is if we don't have tough conversations, we won't see ourselves move forward as a com- as a country. And I'm hoping that we could play a role in helping us move forward and how we see ourselves, but also how we see the world around us. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I got a question. Since we're talking about value, let's go to, uh, as y'all said, I don't get uncomfortable. I'm, I don't care. But you I know y'all don't mean it. I don't, you make me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> as close as you're sitting to me, I'm very uncomfortable. Uh, but let's talk about a, a topic that's a hot topic right now in the country. Mm. Uh, it, I think it has a lot to do with value. Uh, the police officer, what's her name? Amber? 
Mm-hmm. Going into the home of was it Botham? Uh, yeah, you talking about Dallas? In Dallas, mm-hmm. going into his home while he was in his own home, um, killing him. Yep, that's facts. He's dead. He was shot several times. He died. But then they go to court. A trial happens, and she gets ten years mm-hmm. for um, murdering him. Let's talk about that. Because a lot of people, a lot of black people, uh, a lot of black people, including myself, Mm -hmm. uh, in this aspect, I feel as if that in America, that there is a lesser value that is added onto black people by some white people. Mm -hmm. I won't say white people altogether, but I like day by day by day in America, I live in a reality that I constantly say, I don't think I will ever see a day that I'm alive in this world that I am valued across the board by everybody because I'm black. Yeah. And so that decision, when you get that decision and it comes out that it's just 10 years, that's a statement. That says something. And then the other part of the the trial is the forgiveness, right? The brother stepping in, uh, what he said from the stand. Then you got the judge coming down in the way that she acted. All black and white interactions yes. um, that seem to contradict kind of what you're saying. Like, I, I still feel like there's a lack of justice. Yeah, there was not. So let, uh, let me say this part. I definitely feel like there was a lack of justice. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. One, because if a person enters into another person's home and kills them, like, that's serious. That's a serious thing. Uh, but I definitely feel like the justice was lack. Now, here's my issue with the forgiveness part, which I don't have a problem with the forgiveness. Uh, as you, like, I was just on the news a little while ago, I got shot. And the man was like, what do you want to say to the people that shot you? I was like, I forgive them. I hope that they see Jesus for who he is. That's that's my true answer. So the forgiveness part, I don't have a problem with. But I think as a black man and with black America, like black people, black people forgiving the people that has uh, oppressed them or done them wrong is a narrative that has always existed. Mm-hmm. That's always been our posture. We've always been on the forgiving end. My problem is, is it continues to show a lack of value because it's like, oh, okay, just just keep keep killing me, and I'm gonna be cool. I'm gonna keep forgiving you. Mm-hmm. So the forgiving aspect is not the problem. And it can I, feel like license. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the the problem comes in where it's like, oh, you can kill me because you know I'm gonna forgive you. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way, that's the thing that even with the judge, now I'm going to be 100. My problem with the judge, like the brother going to say, can I hug her and asking her for forgiveness, telling her to forgive her all that, A1, okay with it. Even the judge from a spiritual aspect, I'm okay with it. Mm. But what it showed was to everybody else is, one, she stepped outside of her place as a judge. Like if she would have been like, come to my chambers, talk to me in here, hugged her, forgave her. Uh, talk to her all that, I still wouldn't have a problem with it. But what it shows as a whole is black people can continue to be done any kind of way mm. and there's nothing going to be done about it. Well, so, I think it even takes us to a deeper dive to think about how does value translate or impact power. And what I mean by that is when people don't see you as valuable, the way that they use their power to protect the less valuable is obvious. And I think that's kind of what we feel like we see. Yes. We, we feel like as African-Americans, we're already looked at as less valuable. Yes. 
Yes. And because we feel less valuable and we're also in, often in positions where we don't have power, we have people that we feel like see us as less valuable with power over us. They get to make decisions on how things take place as it relates to those that are less valuable. Mm. So a judge, whether black or white, because one, one thing people have to understand is it's not a black or white issue. This is really an issue that's been painted. Mm -hmm. So it's not yeah, even just yeah. that now those who are not black see blacks as less valuable. It's even an idea that, unfortunately, we start to see ourselves as less valuable. So we have an expectation to be treated a certain way by people who have power. Mm -hmm. So I think value largely impacts power. You know what I mean? Because when you see something that you consider valuable, you may risk your own life for it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't see it as valuable, not only are you not willing to risk your own life for it, but you're also not willing to risk anything else. Yeah. And here's my other. Here's the other thing that I pose. So, so I got two things. I'm gonna say one. So, so this is my issue with the forgiveness part. Again, I have no problem with forgiveness. I want her to be forgiven. Like that's my genuine heart. But my issue also. There's always a bigger picture involved. So the, the issue with the forgiveness part for me was in the fight to seek value as an African-American and a Christian. Nine times out of 10, the Christian tells me over and over again, whether it's uh, African-American Christians or, or, or white uh, Christians, how to be. The Christian always says, no, there's a no forgive the gospel, Jesus. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's true. But so if someone breaks into my home and, and kills my daughter yep. while I'm present, like you don't want me to want justice for her. Right. You want me to just be like, you know what? I want them to be forgiven. Right. And, right. And, and, and let's the, take it further right. and shoot the elephant in the room. For those that are watching this podcast, have you ever seen someone you know and love lose their life to gun violence? If you have or have not, the question I pose is, if ever in that situation and you saw the person that took the life of your spouse, of your child, how do you respond when you see that person? See, in communities where I come from, it's very, very likely that I might see somebody that has killed somebody I love. Mm -hmm. How do you expect me to respond in that situation? What's the emotional, what's the proper emotional response? Call the police. I see the person that killed my son. Could you come get them? How would you respond in that circumstance? And it brings me to that idea of just right, wrong, and reality. Sometimes your reality reshapes your right and your wrong as it relates to value, as it relates to power. You know what I mean? Those things impact how you make decisions. So when you talk about forgiveness, and it's like, Dag, I understand the idea of forgiveness, but, and I believe in the idea of forgiveness while also believing in the idea of justice. But wrestling with the idea of feeling like this always happens to me. Uh -huh. And so there's a couple of, like you guys are hitting the narrative, right? So mm -hmm. the, the overall narrative of like, hey, injustice exists. When I see this, this is, I feel like it's getting uh, lessened. I think there's a shortcut and for everybody to feel resolved that's missing the fact that like there is systemic injustice. Yes. Why can't everybody see yes. it? And then at the same time you come in, uh, so somebody from the, from that's white, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody that's coming in from a more privileged background that's going to be way less connected to the overall narrative yeah. is going to look at that and be like, well, there's so much emotion in that room. It's hard to yeah. watch yeah. a man yeah. who lost his brother yeah. extend that type of forgiveness yeah. 
it's hard to be able to put that and then to watch the judge go like, man, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, I've been a judge yeah. for this amount of time. Like there's a beauty yeah. to what's happening yes, and there's amazing. still a cry, yeah. right? So, so the disconnect is there's still a cry for yeah. 10 years. Like yeah. <laughs> that would have happened because if, if it looked like somebody like me because or, or, or from this background and at the same time, there's this sense of like great beauty that's happened that doesn't make sense. Because for us, this is the thing. This is why this is why the people take the position that says, okay, I'm cool with forgiveness, but where's the justice? Yep. Because for us, we've seen that happen a hundred times. Yep. We always like we're always called to forgiveness. Yep. yep. Like my grandfather right now is like best friends with like I moved off a plantation. When I was two years old, yep. my family didn't move off of like real life plantation until like 85, you know? So my grandfather right now is friends, like best friends to this day with the slave owner, land owner's grandson. Mm -hmm. Like they grew up together. So we, we seen this narrative of forgiveness over and over and over. We're always called to forgiveness. Our thing is, if you really value me, mm -hmm. it's not one or the other. It's like if somebody breaks into my house every week and beats me up, you know what I'm saying? Like every week, somebody breaking my house and beat me up. And if, if all you got to come to me and say is, oh, man, you should forgive them. No, tell them to stop beating yeah. me what? up. Sucks that that, you happened, to you. Like, sucks that, sucks that <laughs> happened to you, but I'm not going to do anything to help. Yeah. yeah. Hey, this wouldn't be right if it wasn't a Tupac quote involved. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It wouldn't be right. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be right. But Tupac tells his story. <laughs> Of going to a home, you know what I mean? Knocking on the door, yeah. and the people open the door, and he see them having a party, yeah. throwing food, and he like, man, we hungry, can you give us something to eat? Yes. And the people close the door like, we ain't got nothing. He like, I go back a second time, knock on the door. He like, nah, there's more people inside the house. There's more food. They throwing it around, and I see it happening. I'm like, please, could you please, please just let me yeah. get something to eat? Yeah. And you see all the food, and they like, sorry, we ain't got nothing. Mm -hmm. They close the door. Then the next time you come through, it ain't no more knocking. Pac say, then you picking the lock, coming through the door, but I'm going to take what you have mm -hmm. because I feel like you've had access, you've had resources, mm -hmm. and I've come knocking, begging, pleading, yeah. right? And you showing me you having a party and everything's yep. grand, yep. but you're not offering me the resources and the access you have. Yep. But you want me to stand outside the door starving and hungry and wait for you to invite me in. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Which is, I mean, I think this is the, the, the platform for why this, this conversation is, is completely like we have to have this. And here's the deal. Like in the midst of, of what we're talking about, right? In the midst of talking about forgiveness, in the midst of talking about value, like what actually has to be tackled here is this idea of power, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and control, right? And so in the midst of all of these different scenarios, if I look at the way I grew up, mm -hmm. if I look at the voice that I can hear in the back of my mind when I watch a conversation like this take place, mm -hmm. what I want to do is go from like acknowledgement Right. I acknowledge that slavery happened. I acknowledge that there was uh, a misallocation of all sorts of different resources. But, but I, what I want to go to is like opportunity. Yes, that exists. Yes, all of that may be true. But how do I? So I want to skip. It's, it's easy for me to want to skip to go like, hey, instead of yeah. granting some power and control, let me just point towards opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that moves towards like 
hey, the opportunity's out there. Go get it. Let me. I can. I can help well. you. I can point you to it. So yeah, right. I, I can. I can quickly acknowledge yeah. that you've been getting beat up by the same person that I know week after week after week. I can sympathize with you. Be yeah. like, man, that really sucks. And you know, can I clean up your bloody nose? And then I can point to, hey, instead of engaging the yeah. deep problem, I can yeah. point to solutions, opportunities. Made, just hold up. Before I forget, you made the perfect point. That's exactly what people are doing when they look at that case and they point out and say, no, let's not focus on the injustice that just happened. Mm -hmm. Look at this. Yep. This is beautiful. This is an opportunity for us to come together. And it's like, no, it's not. Because you see what happened the next week, the same thing happened. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about power and control, when we talk about inside of a certain structure and a certain group of people, and we talk about power and control, right? For my thing is you never see that same value being issued. Like when, when you look at that person, like when I look at Jason or I look at you, if, if either one of y'all wronged me, the thing that makes me want to forgive you is I see value in you. Mm -hmm. I look and I say, this person is better than what just happened. I, I'm going to forgive them mm -hmm. because they are entitled to having a bigger and better opportunity. That value and forgiveness is never granted to the black person in those systems. It's rare. Mm -hmm. So I want, let me make one example before, you go, before we go on. Uh, Earn to a famous company, right? I'm going to say the name. I've talked about it on the internet before. He rapes his three-year-old daughter, his own child, right? The, the wife says he did it. Everybody says he did it. He had, they have evidence. He goes before a judge. The judge looks at him and says, he won't do well in jail. I'm not sending him to jail. He gets out. No jail time. No nothing. The little swimmer dude, they have somebody that graphically see him drag a person on the sidewalk, do what he do to them. Judge says the same thing. He won't do well in jail. Mm -hmm. Let him out. Bus driver just did something to a 14-year-old girl in New Jersey. He won't do well in jail. I'm going to let him go. Her, her, 10 years, you'll be out at five. You don't, you don't deserve to go to jail. Yep. My little cousin went to jail the first time in his life. Didn't get caught doing a crime. They didn't even know he was with the person that it happened to. 14 years old, he went to adult jail for 15 years. Mm. Like every time you see the opportunity for value and forgiveness to be offered to us, it's like, no. Here, you go to jail for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah. The Synthonia Brown girl, she she's in a whole, she was in a whole case to where they knew she was being sex trafficked, beat, raped, everything. She literally defends herself trying to get away and kills a man and, and goes and they give her life in jail. She just got out. The mom that just got arrested, the black mom for sending her kid to the wrong school district. She gets more time than the lady that killed him in his own house. There's a dude in jail right now for like 25 years for killing a police dog. <laughs> so whenever there's an opportunity for that same value, that same forgiveness, my thing is if we're going to fight for forgiveness, in one case, we got to we have to start looking around the board and say. But when I when I think about value and power, it makes me think about you know part of the culture at Mission St. Louis, right? We often talk about trying to fill the gap with trust. Mm. If I don't value you, it's going to be very difficult for me to fill the gap with trust if something seems off with you. If I'm in a position of power and I don't respect you, it's going to be very difficult for me to use that power by filling the gap with trust. 
because I always see you. That, that's why they talk about this mythology of black criminology, right? Like, so when you see somebody that's African-American, you already perceive a threat. Mm -hmm. Before you even know the person, you perceive a threat mm -hmm. already. You know what I mean? So it's this idea that you may have done something. I don't have proof. I don't know. But there's no trust with, in the midst of this because right. I don't value you. Right. I see you as a problem. I see you as a threat. So when you're talking about value and power, you're talking about those things working together. Yep. And you're talking about the, the, the difficulty. Uh, you know, you think about somebody that's when you think about this idea of filling this gap with trust. If you have somebody that's been sexually abused, like you don't tell that person, hey, you should probably just get over that. Like, it's a new day. Like, you could be better. You have great opportunity. Like, there's plenty of counselors you can go to. I'm telling you, you could do better. Especially if they continue to be violated over and over again. Absolutely. You love that person. You care for that person. Like, you don't tell them to get past what they've experienced. Right. No matter how long down the line it is. It yep. could be seven years, ten years later. You don't approach that person that way. So my question is, why is it when we start to deal with topics like this, we're quick to push people off when in a marital context, in a relational context, we wouldn't do that to our spouse. We wouldn't do that to our children. Right. You know what I mean? So what when you're coming from a place of power, to your example, when you're when you're coming from a place of power and there is no value, I can also work around you. I can mm -hmm. also not include you. Absolutely. I can also move yep. and, 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 and I can avoid I'm, your feelings. And, and not only avoid your feelings, I can do whatever I want to with you. Right. right. You can come into this room, especially in the situation when we talk about the courtroom. You can come in, bro. I don't think people understand how scary that is going into a courtroom as a black person. Like oh, I remember man. walking into, I was falsely accused of a crime that could have had me in jail the rest of my life. I remember the feeling when that door shut behind me. I literally said to myself, these people never have to let me out of here again if they mm -hmm. don't want to. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can do about it. Mm. I pleaded my case. Talk about powerless. Yes, Absolutely. I swore up and down I'm innocent, and I was. I'm over and over to the point where I'm like, I'm yelling, and dude, like, why are you so upset if you ain't mm -hmm. do it? I'm like, because y'all steady telling me I'm lying. Yep. But this is historically true. Do, this right? is a historical issue. So when you think about the difference with the Atlantic slave trade, the difference was to take people and build a perception of those people to be less than human. So we're talking about devaluing those people from the yeah. gate, yeah. right? So that's always been the purpose. But the crazy thing about it is the intention behind devaluing those people. One was so that we could have power. Two, so that we could maintain wealth. It was all about economics, right? Because they knew that wealth and generational wealth creates power. Mm -hmm. And if we have power and you don't, then I can choose how you should be valued. And we so historically, we've always seen this be the case. Today, we're just seeing practically how these things play out. It's not new that countries have been conquered and things have been taken over. It is different when people are really considered to be less than human. And that's what happened with the Atlantic slave trade. And that's why when you start to talk about psychology and how that plays in a mind, it, it's been beaten to the hearts and minds and souls of people for generation after generation after generation. And there's a book that just talks about the, the, the mindset mm -hmm. of a slave owner. You know, like, what does that do to the heart of the person that's 10, 15, 20 years removed from what was instilled into their great-grandparents? Let me tell you, my grandfather to this day, when he talk about white people, he has a certain reverence. Mm -hmm. Like to this day, like he still has a my grandfather grew up on a plantation his whole life. Like they my my grandfather, my grandmother, my mother, all of her brothers and sisters, all of them picked cotton. Like every last one of them. Like my grandfather still has 
this idea in his head. Yeah. Like when he mentions a white person, there's a certain boy, don't do Don't you? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's the thing too. And I also want to tell you in the words of DJ Khaled, you smart. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the thing too that I think people don't, that's that's the complexity when we talk about value in the African-American community that I think people don't get. Especially when we go inside of, when we go inside of the world of like uh, evangel- evangelicals, right? Mm-hmm. If we go to another country, we take all of that in. We like this happened to them, this, we got to approach it like this, this is the thing, this is blah, blah, blah. But when we talk about ourselves and our own country, it's always, well, let it go. You have opportunity. Even with the opportunities that we have, that are present and that are available, you have so many different barriers stopping. Like, I'm like me and Jay talked about this before. Like going into a room, being a black guy, you you have to go in to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. You like like we can have the same skill set, we can have the same uh, uh, degrees, we can have everything, but we got to prove that uh, I'm not like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I come in here and I bring value. But at the same time, and it's done to it's it's something that's ingrained in us as well. Like I'm gonna be totally transparent and honest on this thing. If I went to somewhere right now and I had to get my car fixed, me, and it's two mechanics that I don't know, and I pull up and they side by side, both of them can have grade A this on the door, grade A that, better business bureau, A rating, boom, 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 and I walk in. And I look from the outside and I look in one and it's a room full of black dudes working on the cars in there. And it's a room full of white dudes working on the cars in there. Man, I'd be sitting here lying to y'all. That that makes me want to ask you a question. Just as a white man. So to kind of, because we're going to need to transition too. But when we talk about power, we talk about value. And this is a question for you as a white man. When you see an African-American, they're pulled over by the police. And in a lot of cases, unlawfully, right? Uh, You look suspicious, whatever the case may Mm -hmm. be. They're being asked to do things that are really unlawful. And for a person that's African-American that feels like I'm always in positions where people are abusing their power and their authority as it relates to me. Mm -hmm. So when you ask me to do something that I can comply to, but I realize that the the way you're using your power is not correct, Mm -hmm. I'm going to buck up against it. I'm going to say, no, I'm not stepping out the car because I'm not, I, I shouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. Legally, I shouldn't have to. And then we hear the cries of white America that mm-hmm. says, well, why don't you just comply? Yeah, right. And we say, like, well, we one, I don't trust them. Yep. But two, their power has been abused so much, you want me to continue to bow to that abuse of power. Yep. So as, as a white man, I guess I would ask you, like, how do you see that? Um, why do you think maybe some of those questions are asked, but do you understand? I grew up my whole life. I grew up my whole life and told from the very beginning and still the narrative, and it's probably true, that like police officers are out for my best interest. Hmm. If you're in trouble, that's where you go. You can always ask. You can always. Hmm. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until, (laughs) it wasn't until, it it wasn't until, it wasn't until coming to St. Louis that I ever heard an alternative reality to that. Wow, bro. My so every time, so, so every time we begin talking about this, if you if you're looking at it from the the white entity, like that is that is a sacred office that I have never heard of growing up being abused. It was always say it was like it was like mm. it was like a pastor, right? Like somebody willing to lay their life down 
uh, I mean, there was a, there was there was a reverence, right? <laughs> and for, I mean, in the same way that uh, that your grandfather has, yeah. is, is the same way that, that that we came in. And so it's very difficult. It's still very difficult, even for me, to mm. be able to accept the truth that mm. that power could be abused in so many ways. Mm. So I, I I walk it. I walk to this table knowing you men, loving you men, and still going like. But that's the like that's a sacred like don't you yeah. because it's yeah. two drastically different names. Because the crazy thing is My doing life. something wrong, doing something wrong doesn't mean you should be treated illegally. Correct. Right. So and that's kind of what you kind of see with a lot of these different yep. cases. Like I've been in situations where I'm doing something wrong. I'm I'm in a house with other people and we shooting dice. Yep. Police come in, they find a gun. Whose gun is this? We don't know who guns it is. Yep. Who gun it is? How about you all sit in a circle? I'm going to spin this gun. Whoever the borough land on, that's who gun it is. Yeah. Like, I've literally been in situations like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I was wrong for being in the house shooting dice. Yeah. But that don't mean that you take a gun and play spin the bottle mm -hmm. and get a case to whoever get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it goes back to, like, I mean, it's as, as painful as it is to hear, like, the psychology post-slavery. The, mm. the, the, the being bred into less than, right? Is it the same way that it's been bred into somebody like me to where yeah, like, Hey, yeah. so I mean, I, pr practical example has nothing to do with police officers. Like I'm driving down grand, almost a page and, uh, there's a, um, strip center and there's a dude out front just power washing. And there's a young black man who walking down the sidewalk, minding his own business. The dude power washing never stops power washing ends up spraying. I'm sitting in the car, right? Like looking yeah, over to my yeah. right, dude walking down the sidewalk. Yeah. And he just, the, the guy looks up and was like, don't you see I'm power washing? Which, had it been me walking down that sidewalk about 20 yards before I would have got he there, he'd have popped that thing off, given me a high five, oh, yeah. asked me how the day, like, I mean, so it, it's still a narrative. It's still an understanding. It's, it's difficult until, like, you experience the injustice that does exist. You hear the, the narrative. And, and then, you know, I think, I think that we have the challenge in what we do to talk about what that power matrix is, right? Mm -hmm. Even in what we do, it's it's one thing, and we've got to fight this all the time. It's one thing for us to uh, to sit down with someone and say, "Hey, yes, you are loved. Yes, you matter. Yes, you have value. Hey, let's let's mold and let's talk about what the workplace has to offer you." Because we do a lot of job training in what we do. Yeah. It's a different narrative that we're not even scratching the surface on that we yeah. know we're headed towards to be like, "Hey, that like." Yes, that's right and beautiful, but we also have to talk about the fact that I need you to own, like, we need so, to talk about home ownership. Yeah. We need to talk about business yeah. ownership. Yeah. At, this is, this is yes, discussion matters. Yes, acknowledgement matters. Yet at the same time, like, as we care about the flourishing of our city, we also have to talk about what practical control and ownership looks like on the ground. That's good. That's even, I want, even when we talk about control and ownership of our city, like, we have to be honest and say, that's, that's going to have to be an intentional, what you're saying. That's going to have to be an intentional thing of taking some power. And I, I don't even want to use the word placing right. because I don't like placing says, sure, I'm going to give you something for free. Yep. Taking some space to say, oh, here's here's a space to flourish. Let me invite you in to do as you will versus in most cases what happens is. Let me invite you in, and I'm going to still control what you do. Absolutely. Let me control it. Because right now, you see the, the flourishing, it isn't never presented. Like, every every economy that's created, 
it's always the last person to get a hold to it, especially in our community or the people from our community. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Like they're the last people yeah. to get a hold of it. Yeah. Well, man, listen, we appreciate y'all joining us here at Say That to Say This. Um, we have a lot of conversations. Uh, we'll be transitioning, so make sure you stay close and you stay plugged in. One of the things that I want you to make sure to do as well is leave some comments. We love to know what topics you like to hear yeah. us discuss in the future. We love to know your heart behind what's communicated, even if you disagree with some of what we say. And that's part of this, you know, for you to have a voice, for you to be able to engage in conversation as well, but also for you to engage with each other. So we're signing off and say that to say this again. My name is Jason Watson. My name is Travis Tyler. This is AKA Travis Tyler. Josh Wilson. Thanks for being with us. Peace.